0: Allowing God to enter your life is the first step to being used as His instrument. This message is the 11th in the series Teach Us to Pray. The message is entitled Use Us. Here is Pastor Dale O. Shields. We're involved in a series of messages, actually concluding this series this weekend, entitled Teach Us to Pray, the prayers that allow us to experience answers from God. And I want to wrap up this series this weekend with a very important prayer. I want to talk to us this weekend about the Use Us prayer. You know, it was a disciple that came to Jesus one day and made a request of him. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Like John the Baptist teaches his disciples, would you show us the way to pray your way? How do we pray the Jesus way? And Jesus responded by giving us what we know to be the Lord's Prayer. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Let me read this for you. This then is how you should pray. Remember, the request was teach us to pray, and Jesus responds. This then is how you should pray. Here's the how to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please notice that phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the translation, one translation goes on to add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this very short prayer, a prayer that you can recite in a matter of perhaps even a few seconds if you say it rapidly, it's not a very long prayer at all, but a very short prayer is given to us by Jesus, and it's more than a prayer just to teach us a, a, a ritualistic approach to God. He's not giving us something just to memorize. While it's great to memorize the Lord's Prayer, it's great to say it, it's great to know it. What actually you find here is you find principles of prayer embedded in the Lord's Prayer, Great principles that are given to us. And one of those principles I believe that you find very clearly in the Lord's Prayer, it's really implied here, is the use me, Lord, principle. I want to talk to us this weekend about three things that will help us to pray this very important prayer. I would encourage you, if you've not been with us through the other messages, to go back online, and uh, you can get those that are available for you to simply download free of charge. But go and catch up with us to this weekend. We've talked about some really, really important prayers, but we're bringing it to a culmination this weekend to talk about how do we effectively pray the Use Us Prayer. I'm going to share with you three things that are vital for you and I to understand if we're going to pray the use us prayer. The first principle that I want you to remember, it's very simple, but nevertheless, very important is to remember that God actually wants to use you, that God wants to use you. Let me pose a question to you this weekend. How does God get his presence into our world and his influence into our world to be felt and known in the world? Well, obviously God is sovereign and by his sovereign grace and power, his, his presence permeates everything. But how does God get his work done in the world? How does God accomplish his will in the world? Well, primarily, God accomplishes His will in the world through people, people like you and me. God primarily gets things done through people. Now, let's flip the coin on the other side. How does the devil get his work done? Well, the devil primarily gets his work done in the same way God does through people, that there's, a, there's this vehicle that is in the world today called people, humanity. And so God wants to capture humanity and capture people to use them for his purposes. And I'll define that phrase used in just a moment because it's a very powerful and a positive phrase. And the devil wants to do the same except when the devil uses you, he uses you up. He uses you for destruction. God uses you for good. It's vital for us to realize that. And so we have the opportunity of actually making a conscientious choice in our lives. Do we want to be used in a positive way by God, or do we want to be used up by the adversary, by the devil? Do we want to be a vehicle through which God accomplishes His work in the world, or do we want to be a vehicle, vehicle through which the adversary of our soul, the devil, accomplishes evil purposes in the world? the question is really a choice it comes to us what will we do and your your best life listen closely your best life the best life that you could possibly live is lived when God is using you for his purpose and his plans. He's working his plans and purpose through your life. Now, when we speak of God using us, I I made mention of this a moment ago. Let me bring it back to this again. When we talk about God using us, we're not talking of something negative. We're not talking that God wants to somehow exploit your life. See, sometimes we talk about people using people, and it's in an exploitive way form in an exploitive way, but God doesn't use us to exploit us. No, the word use, as I'm using it here this weekend, it means to actually put you into action, to put you into service, to help you to carry out a purpose, to employ you, we might say. He wants to use who you are and the gifts and abilities He's imparted to your life. So when we say that God wants to use your life, He wants to use your life so you're useful. He wants to use your life so you make a positive difference in the world. He wants to use you to add value to his cause in the earth. He wants to enlist you, we might say, to accept an assignment for the advance of his kingdom and good in our world. I think all of us would agree that we need a lot more ambassadors of good, ambassadors of God, ambassadors of Jesus Christ in our world today. So through your work and through your words and through your life, you're invited to become actually a partner with God. And all he is looking for is for availability from you. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. Moses learned this lesson. I think all of us would agree that Moses was a man who was greatly used by God. He was used by God to bring the children of Israel out of 430 years of slavery. He leads them through the Red Sea and into the wilderness to Mount Sinai where the law is given, the great law of God. The Ten Commandments were given there and he's leading them toward the promised land. And so he's used mightily by God. But here we see Moses at the beginning point of his journey with God. It was not about Moses' ability. It was about Moses' availability. God needed someone to lead Israel forward forth from bondage, and God approached Moses and said, Do you want to be used by me in so many words? Let me read for you in Exodus chapter three, beginning in verse number ten, when God speaks to Moses. So now go, he says to Moses, God says to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You will worship God on this mountain. Let's break this down a little bit. God is meeting Moses at the burning bush. You remember the story? and God says, Moses, I need to use you to accomplish a purpose. I need to get something done for my Hebrew people. I want to bring them out of slavery, and I want you to be the one that leads them forth. And Moses' initial response was, God, you really don't want me. Who am I? I don't have the ability to do this. And God, in essence, says back to Moses, I'm not really looking for your ability. I'm looking for your availability? Are you willing to allow me to use you? Are you willing to let my purpose be accomplished through your life? Are you willing to be used by me? Now, you might be saying, well, yeah, pastor, that's great, but I'm not a Moses. I'm not some great man of God like Moses was. Well, Moses had a past too, and we could talk about that some really tough stuff in Moses' past. So he was, in essence, if you looked at him from just a human perspective, there was a lot of disqualifying factors in Moses' life. But God said, I'm going to use you in spite of your weaknesses. I'm going to use you in spite of your failures. I want to use you to accomplish something in my world. I want to ask you the question, Moses, will you let me use you? And you don't have to be a Moses. There was only one Moses. God is not asking you to be a Moses or a David or a Joseph or a Daniel. He's not asking you to be any of those people. He's asking you to be you. He's asking you to make yourself available to him and say, God, I want to be available to you. It's just me, an ordinary person, but I want to be one of your partners. I want to partner with you, God. So I'll say this to you, don't disqualify yourself. Don't say maybe somebody else and maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe maybe my past is going to hold me back, or maybe God can't use somebody like me. No, God is saying, yeah, I want to use someone exactly like you, exactly who you are and all the things you've gone through in your life. I'm going to weave it together in a beautiful tapestry and I want to do something through you in the world. I want to partner with you. But for God to partner with you, you have to partner with him. And the Bible encourages us and in fact calls us to be partners together with God. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 1, the living Bible. As God's partners. What is that word again? Partners. What is a partner? A partner is someone who has a part in the business. They play a part. They bring something to the table. As God's partners, we beg you to toss aside, not to toss aside the marvelous message of God's great kindness. uh, uh, Paul the apostle says, you're a partner with God. Don't push aside the message of God's great kindness. Hebrews 3 verse 1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, that's you and me, who share, notice this, share in the heavenly calling. That's a partnership. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. The first thing that you need to understand if you want to pray the use me prayer is to understand very clearly that God wants to use you. You will never pray the use me prayer unless you accept that reality that God actually wants to use you. In fact, I would encourage you to say with me right now, right where you are, God wants to use me. Go ahead and say that. You might say, I can't say that. I don't, I don't know that God could use me. I want you to get those words out of your mouth this weekend. I want you to say those words, God wants to use me. That's vital to this use me prayer. Number two, the second thing that I want us to understand, the Bible teaches us as being partners with God, you actually partner with God through prayer. I'm to break this down for us. It's the second truth that is vital to praying this use us prayer, use me prayer. How do you partner with God? You partner with God first and foremost through prayer. One of the major ways you help God get his work done in the world is through prayer. Let me say that again. One of the major ways you get God's work done in the world is by partnering with God through your prayers. Now this is very difficult for most of us as human beings to understand, because we get things done by effort. We get things done by doing what seems to be the most practical thing. And oftentimes, unfortunately, it seems to to many of us that prayer doesn't feel all that well, all I can do is pray. And we seem to say as though that was the last, uh, last resort that we have. But God wants to teach us that actually prayer is not the last resort. Prayer is the first thing that we need to do. It's the most powerful way that you and I can partner with God. Now, God is not against practical action. We have to understand that prayer is practical action. You're doing something when you pray. We use prayer, we engage in prayer to get the work of God done. You're in your highest, most effective place. Listen closely. You're in your highest and most practical and effective place of partnering with God when you're on your knees. When you and I are on our knees talking to God, it may seem like nothing seems to be happening in a practical sense around us, but that is the most powerful time in your life that when you're on your knees or on your face or calling out to God, or as Carla talked about this weekend in her testimony, writing out in her journal uh, her prayers to God. When you're engaging with God in prayer, you're in your most powerful, practical place of partnership with God. Now, we might be called by God to do other things after we pray, but we should do nothing until we prayed. I'll say that again. We may very well be called to do things that may seem to be more action-oriented after we prayed, but we should not do anything until we have prayed. Jesus makes us clear. In, his, in the prayer that he taught us to pray in Matthew 6, verse 10, I want you to notice that God's kingdom is advanced through prayer. Prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 6.10, he said, pray like this. This is how you should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was Jesus teaching about there in Matthew 6? He was teaching about prayer. He was saying, you need to engage in prayer so that the kingdom of God can be advanced in the world. And so our number one partnership with God is not just running around doing things, it's starting by by that place of, of intimacy with God on our knees, crying out to Him for His kingdom to come and His will to be done in the world. Your prayers make a difference. God uses you through your prayers. Matthew six thirty-three. Again, we see this emphasis. But seek first the kingdom. That's God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Start with the seeking of the kingdom with prayer. These verses are all about prayer. Prayer is not a useless exercise. It is the most powerful thing that we can do. The first calling is the calling of partnering with God through prayer. And I'll give you three things that this partnership involves. And these should be on your notes. This partnership with God, in just a moment, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18, where I'll lay these out for you. But the first thing that praying involves is agreeing with God's will, that God's will, his purposes and plans, his promises will be fulfilled in our world. We pray for what God wants. So we don't go to God and say, God, I'd like for you to do this and that and the other thing. And if you do all those things, I think our world would be a better place. No, we go to God saying, God, what does your word say about what needs to be happening in our world? What needs to be happening in my life? What needs to be happening in my family? Because instead of asking, Lord, you to agree with me, I want to be in agreement with you. I want to find out what you want to do. So I'm praying what you want. So prayer, real prayer is agreeing with what God, Wants. Notice Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So God is calling for a partnership where we and powerfully together with other people agree with God about his will being accomplished in the world. And so we don't bring our list to God. We find out what's on God's list God, what do you want to do in our world today? What do you want to do in our families? What do you want to do in my life? And so you agree with God. Number two, you ask God, ask for God's help and God's involvement. So we go to God, and so we find out what He wants, and then we ask Him to be engaged. And you might say, well, if God wants it, why do not we have to ask? Because He's looking for a partner. He's looking for someone to agree with Him regarding certain things that He wants to do in the world. Why? Because most of what He will do in the world, He will do through people. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 again. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree, we talked about that, about anything they, what's the next word? Ask. So we come to God and we say, God, what do you want? We want to agree with you. And now, God, we're going to ask you for the very thing you said you wanted, because I want to be in agreement with God, and I'm going to be a partner with Him to ask God to do the very thing He said He wanted to do, for it will be done by my Father in Heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And then the third thing is to understand that as a partner with God, you and I have spiritual authority. Look at verse verse number eighteen. Matthew 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So I want you to follow this with me this weekend, so vital. God what do you want to do in our world I want to agree with you God whatever you want is what I want to see and now Lord that I know a little bit more about what you want I'm going to ask you to do it and then I'm also going to use my spiritual authority in Christ the fact that I'm your representative one of your representatives in the world today and I'm going to, I'm going to bind certain forces and I'm going to lose certain things Lord I'm praying against and binding the forces of the adversary that are at work in this category, in this area in my family in our world around us. Lord, I come against those forces of darkness and I pray for the loosing of everything that you wanna do. So you use authority. That's what a partner does. A partner has authority in connection with that partnership. And so it's declaring God's will to be done against the schemes and the plans of the adversary and the devil. One of the greatest stories of partnering with God for fulfilling his purpose through prayer is found in the Old Testament story of a lady by the name of Hannah. I don't know if you remember her story or not. It's found in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, especially chapter 1 and chapter 2. But let me tell you a little bit about Hannah. Hannah wanted a child, but it was a desire that God had placed in her heart because God wanted a prophet. Hannah wanted a child, but God wanted a prophet. And so over an extended period of time, Hannah's heart had to get in line with God's heart. And so she's waiting for God to give her a son. And God is waiting for her to be in line with his will for him to bring a prophet into the world. And notice what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. In her deep anguish... After many years of praying for a child, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow. She finally gets to the point that she's going to agree with God. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, here it is, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. He would have the Nazarite vow." And here's the key. She finally comes to the point of saying, God, now I want a son, but now I'm willing for that son to be yours because you need a prophet. And so she comes in agreement with God. She's now partnering in prayer. And that was the moment. That was the moment that Eli the priest proclaimed that, in fact she was indeed going to have a child, a son. Notice first Samuel chapter one verses twenty and twenty one So, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. Saying, Because I ask the Lord for him. The word Samuel, the name Samuel means ask from God. Notice verse 21. When her husband Elkanah went up with his, all his family to offer the annual sacrifices to the Lord and fulfill his vows. So there's this commitment of Hannah that is in line with her agreeing prayer with God. And Samuel becomes an incredible prophet, leading Israel during a very challenging time and eventually. Uh, Hannah and her husband have more children. that actually uh, is another story, another principle in that you can't outgive God, and so he brings more kids into their family. But the point being is there was this place of agreement where Hannah said, "Now God, if you want to take my son and use him for your purpose, I'm going to give him to you. I make that vow. They would never listen closely again. There would never have been a Samuel had there not been a praying Hannah. And God wants to birth things. God wants to sustain things. God wants to increase his work in the world. And one of the ways that he will do that is through partners, partners who connect with him in prayer. What does God want to birth and sustain through your prayers? Through Hannah, it was a prophet. What is it that God wants to birth and sustain through your prayers? I'm convinced that when we get to heaven, totally convinced of this, I'm convinced that when we get to heaven, we'll become aware of the incredible works of God that have been accomplished by a praying mom or a praying dad or a praying grandma or a praying grandfather, a praying church member. We'll see incredible things that have been accomplished in our world because someone was on their knees partnering with God in prayer. We partner with him first and foremost in prayer. It is our first ministry. Let me bring, to, bring you to our final point this weekend. We're talking about praying the use us or use me prayer. You'll never pray the use us or use me prayer until you understand that you are empowered to fulfill your divine potential through prayer, that you are empowered to fulfill your divine potential through prayer. God placed incredible potential inside of you. There's great potential in you and every one of you. You may not feel like there's much in you, but there's a, there's a lot in you that God has put there. And that potential isn't just for you. It's the potential to advance God's kingdom and God's good in the world. You may have great skills in business. You may have great skills, capacities, and potential in certain areas of life, but it's not just for you. It's for the advance of God's kingdom through you. God wants to use what he's put in you and fulfill that potential. But your p- t- potential cannot be realized without God's power. Let me say that again. Here's the thing that we miss oftentimes. You might say, well, I've got this potential. And there's a lot of self-help uh, pop psychology things that will tell you, hey, you're, you're all that you need in life. No, you're not. You're not all that you need. In fact, you'll never fulfill your highest potential without the power of God at work in you. Whatever your calling might be, whatever your assignment in life might be, whatever your responsibilities, whatever your profession, whatever your occupation, whatever your responsibilities, whatever your assignments, whatever your calling to be used by God, you need God. If you're going to be used by God, you need God. And no matter who or what you are, you need the grace and power of God to be your best. This is something we need to grasp in our innermost being, become aware of. And As long as you think and live as though you have everything it takes to be the best you you can be, you'll never be the best you you can be. I'll say that again. As long as you think and live as though You have everything it takes to be the best you you can be. You'll never be the best you you can be. You have to realize that you need more than just you. You need the power of God to bring into reality the potential that is in you. And that means you've got to connect with God and his power through prayer so he can use the potential that is in you. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 15, I should say, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what he said. Remain in me, Jesus said as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And please notice this next phrase. You might want to read it with me. It's right there on your screen. Apart from me, you can do nothing so wonderful and valuable when we get to the place in life that we're able to say that's true that God apart from you I can really do nothing now what does that mean it means does it mean there's nothing I can ever accomplish in life no it means that it will not have God's touch of fruitfulness upon it for the advance of his kingdom he can't use you for eternal purposes unless you're connected with the eternal God Let me read this from the Passion Translation. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me, and as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Did you hear that? When you live separated from me, you are powerless. Paul the Apostle, he was a great man. He was a very intellectual man. He was a man who most likely studied in some of the most advanced universities of his time. He was a man who was brilliant. But even Paul himself recognized the necessity of having the strength of God at work in his life to be everything that God wanted him to be after that moment on the road to Damascus when God brought him to his face and blinded him and showed him the reality of the resurrected, resurrected Jesus. From that time forward, Saul of Tarsus realized, I need more than just myself. I need a relationship with God. And he, he wrote this prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit that's recorded in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. Listen to this prayer and the emphasis that Paul placed upon the importance, the value of the power of God at work in us. I pray In fact, why don't you let this be a prayer for you this weekend. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray, notice this, verse 19, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. What did Paul pray? That we would experience the immeasurable greatness, not of our ability and our intellect and our capacity, no, of the of the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then, Key word there, then, that is once we're experiencing God's power, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when Christ raised, when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. Can you say amen to that? What a beautiful prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers and is prayed for us as well, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul practiced what he preached. He didn't just talk to the Ephesians and to us about the importance of us having power. He understood the importance of him living in the power of God. Notice what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. We have this treasure. He's speaking of himself, his team. We have this treasure, us as well. We have this treasure from God. But we're like clay jars that hold the treasure. This shows that the great power is from God and not from us. In Philippians four, thirteen, Paul again acknowledges his source of power. I can do all things which he has called me to do Through Him, He didn't say, I can do all things. See, that that concept, I can do anything I want to do. No, you can't. None of us can just walk out and say, I can do whatever I want to do. No, you may make choices, but you don't have the fullness of your potential realized without Christ. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him, through Christ, one translation says, who strengthens me and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him. Who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. For God to truly use you and for God to truly use me, his power has to be at work in and through us. The use me prayer is a very important prayer to pray. It's important prayer to include in the process of your praying times, the times on your knees, the times when you're talking to God, the times when you're journaling your prayers out to begin to say, God, I I want to be used by you and for you to even pray that prayer, you have, to, you have to realize that God wants to use you. Yes, God, I believe that you want to use me with all my imperfections and with all my, my frailties and all the issues of my life. I, I believe, God, that somehow you really do want to use me. And God, I want to partner with you through prayer. My, my first commitment is not to t- try to just get out and do things for you, God. I want to learn how to partner with you through prayer. I want to be a, a Hannah that's able to pray things into existence because I'm in an agreement with you. And then, God, I'm asking you to empower me so that whatever purpose you put in my life, small or great, whatever it is, God, it's not for me to measure. You're the one that gives gifts. And whatever those gifts are, I realize I can't fulfill them to the greatest capacity. Apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. And when you and I begin to pray these kind of prayers, God can begin to use us. Can you imagine with me for a moment If the church of Jesus Christ all around the world, if all of us as believers would begin to pray these kind of prayers, God, use me. God, help me to pray like I've never prayed before. And God, work in me so that your power is evident through my life. Can you imagine what a different world we would live in when the church really is the church because we're letting the power of Christ, the resurrected Savior, be at work in each one of us? Would you join me as we pray together? Father God, I thank you so much this weekend for the opportunity of gathering around your word and thank you for the privilege we've had over these last several weeks to really think about the topic of prayer, to focus in on what it means and how to let these things become a real part of who we are. And Lord, I do pray tonight, I pray this weekend that in the name of Jesus, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that Lord, you would help us to begin to make ourselves available to you, Lord. You're not looking for our ability, you're looking for our availability. And Lord, help us to learn to partner with you in prayer. So many times we try to fix things and control this and handle that and do all these kind of actions. But Lord, you first want us to meet you in prayer and to to move mountains through our prayers, God. And there'll be those moments when you'll instruct us to get up from our prayers and to be used by you in some way. But Lord, we don't want to do things in our flesh, in our own strength, in our own power. We want to be empowered by Almighty God. We want to be... Lord, connected to the vine and have the life of the vine producing the fruit of Jesus in and through us. So Lord, take this message and may it be something that we remember and most importantly that we practice and put into effect in our lives. We trust you for it in the mighty and glorious, the matchless, the wonderful, the precious name that is above every name. We put on that name on our lips this weekend to honor you, to bless you, the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.